series that we're going into called Love is in the Air. It's love is in the H-E-I-R, not A-I-R. We know that February is the month of love, and everybody focuses on love, but a lot of times we focus on the wrong kind of love, and people are looking for love in all the wrong places. Can I get an amen on some of that? And, and we got to begin to put focus back on believing in Jesus Christ and the love that he has for us and the love that the Father has for us, so much so that the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And with that, we are now joint heirs, H-E-I-R, with Jesus Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. And so we want to understand the covenant that we are in. And so this whole series that we're going to go into in the month of February, it's about the covenant that God has given to us through Jesus Christ, and it parallels largely with the marriage covenant. So we're going to be double dipping throughout this series, addressing things about a marriage covenant, also addressing things about your covenant that you're in with Jesus Christ. And our prayer is that by the time this series is done, you will understand what a covenant really is and take your covenant relationship with Jesus Christ to a whole nother level and operate in the fullness of all that Jesus Christ did when he initiated this covenant through the death, burial, and resurrection and the shedding of his blood. Amen? And so this morning, we're going to just dive into some nuts and bolts about what covenants truly are. And so when you found in your Bibles Hebrews chapter 13... We're going to start in verse 20 and 21, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21, and I want to encourage you guys, read the whole book of Hebrews throughout February, okay? The whole book of Hebrews, it's just 13 chapters, and they're, they're really short chapters, and, and, and if you read the whole book of Hebrews over and over throughout February, you'll understand in great depth what Jesus Christ has done for you with the covenants that, that he made with his death, burial, and resurrection. And so as we're about to get started reading this morning, I want everybody to do this real quick. Hold up both index fingers. Hold up both your index fingers. You see them? You got them up? Now touch both your ears. Say, God, God. anoint these ears, anoint these ears. To, hear to hear your voice. Your voice. In Jesus' name, Jesus. amen. You know, I believe many times we don't um, hear all that God wants us to hear because we haven't just set apart in our heart to say, hey, these ears today are for the sole purpose of hearing God and nothing else. Amen. 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 And so I want us to begin to put things like that into practice so you begin to focus intentionally your heart, your mind, your emotions, everything into hearing from the Father and not just hearing from any other perspective that we would want to hear from. Amen. And so with that, the Bible says this in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 20, and it says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, everybody say eternal covenant, may he equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Come on now, that's a good verse of scripture. Man, that verse right there, those two verses right there are so loaded, but there's two words in there that make everything about those two verses possible, and it's the words eternal covenant. Because he is the God of peace, who brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the resurrection, 
Jesus Christ is the great shepherd of all of us. We are his sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant. That's how everything in the covenant was ratified and taken care of through Jesus Christ's blood. When he did that with the covenant, it says he was able to equip you. You are already equipped with everything good that you may do his will. Come on now, that should be celebrating in the house. So his covenant, which he shed his blood for, made it possible, and it's already yours, everything that you need to do the will of the Father. Come on. Everybody say, that's mine. Come on. Y'all just thought Valentine's was good. I'm talking this covenant is so loaded. Man, the Bible says he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Because of this covenant, is so loaded to equip you with everything good that you may do his will. He's also working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. So God's working inside of you right now to make you pleasing to him in all that you do. Man, man, you're set up for success. You couldn't fail even if you wanted to fail. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, you couldn't fail even if you wanted to fail with this covenant. Because Jesus Christ paid the price. See, if it was based on us, we'd be in trouble. But it wasn't. It was based on him and his eternal sacrifice, the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. So God made a covenant with his son that if you'll believe in his son, you get to get in on the good part of the covenant. Come on. Because he already paid the price of the covenant. I'm praying your ears are getting it. Come on now. All right, I got to get to the message because that's why I want you to read Hebrews over and over and over because, man, it'll light, it will light your covenant on fire again. I mean, I'm telling you, you it, it's, it reminds me of when Elijah was, was up against the, the, all the prophets of Baal, the 400 of the one and the 450 of the other, and, and they said, put a bunch of water on it, and still the fire of God came and consumed it. Amen? I, I mean, it doesn't matter how wet your wood is. If you'll start reading Hebrews, he's going to light that covenant on fire. I mean, he's going to do something. Can you tell I hadn't got to preach in a while? Woo. It's going to be on today. Mm. So the impact of this series is to rekindle the two major covenants in our lives. The first one is our covenant with the Father. And if you're married, it's your covenant with your spouse that you're in. And if you're not married, desiring to be married, I'm praying that it'll put foundation stones in your life so that when you get married, you're firmly established on a good, true, real covenant. And if you're not married and you don't want to get married, good. Focus on your covenant with God. Hallelujah. And just celebrate being single because there ain't nothing wrong with that either. Hallelujah. So February is known as the month of love. And everybody talks about love and all the things that go on in February. And, and you know, Tina Turner wrote a song in 1984. Come on now. Y'all remember Tina Turner? Give me a microphone. Y'all want me to sing this thing? Lindsay Collette, where are you at? Where's Lindsay at? Lindsay, get on up here, girl. Lindsay, uh, can you do me a favor? I've never done karaoke in my life. But girl, I know you can blow this song. Get your microphone. Come on up here. And, and, and guys, put the words on the screen for this song. Because Lindsay's going to do a little karaoke. And the, 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 the part she's going to sing is this. It's from Tina Turner. And it's the song, What's Love Got to Do With It? And the lyrics go, what's love got to do 
got to do with it. You getting you finna get your groove on? All right, here we go. Well, I won't say it. You just go, girl. Telling you that that's ooh, come on, Allie's like that's my mama. That, that's what I'm talking about. I'd be saying that too, man. And we all know that song. The problem with that song is this is how most of us view covenants in our life, whether it be marriage or church. What's love got to do with it? What is love but a second-hand emotion? What's love got to do with it? Who even needs a heart when a heart can be broken? So what this song is telling us to do with covenants of marriage and our covenant with God is don't worry about love even being a part of it because what's love got to do with the covenant? And love is only an emotion, which is obviously wrong. And don't even give your heart to the covenant because who wants to give your heart to it when it's just going to be broken? And these lyrics have permeated society even if you weren't even born in 1984 yet. My student ministry team over here, come on. You still knew the song. So this song is transcending generations Spreading deceit and lie and planting it in our heart that what has love got to do with it? Love is only a secondhand emotion and don't put your heart into any covenant because it's just going to get broken one day. Guard your heart and don't give it to anybody. And we live by these lyrics in our marriages, in our relationship with Jesus, more than we live by Hebrews 13 Verses 20 and 21, where Jesus didn't say love was a secondhand emotion. It was a firsthand action. Jesus didn't just give you part of his heart. He was stabbed in the heart with a spear and blood and water flowed, and he gave you his whole heart for the covenant to be founded on. And so with this as the standard... We're going to talk about covenants just for a few minutes this morning. Today, we need to explore the emotion of love and contrast it to the covenant of love. So we're going to explore the emotion of love just for a minute. Because a lot of people do think love is just an emotion. But then we will contrast it with the covenant of love and find the difference. So the secondhand emotion of love. Emotion comes from the French word emouvoir, which means to stir up. So why the French are ooh la la, the people of love. <laughs> right? And they want to stir up the emotion. 
Now listen, I hope your marriage still has great emotion with it. But if love is only an emotion, you're in trouble. Now listen, it comes from the root word motion. To be moved to motion. You can be moved to tears. You can be moved to make a difference. You can be moved to laughter. Listen, emotions are great, but emotions were never meant to be decision makers. Hey, come on. How many of y'all have made an emotional decision in your life? It's just the will of God that I get this car. I know it. I feel it. (laughs) Yeah, but that $600 truck payment didn't feel so good 90 days later or whatever. Right? And you were moved to emotion. Emotions are great, but they're not meant to be decision makers. Emotions are beneficial because they add to the experience. But now all we want is an emotional experience. Emotions are great because they add to any experience. Me and my wife, we love to go eat at different restaurants, crazy places, and we'll save up three, four, five months of Dave money spending, Dave Ramsey spending cash money, you know, and, and just go splurge one night and have a good date, and I can go eat at some crazy place. And it's not so much the food we're concerned about, but the environment and the emotions that come with it, because it's the environment that makes the setting, that makes the food taste that much better, yeah. right? right? Come on, y'all got to start taking your wives out to more than pizza in, I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, get outside the city limits. I mean, let's just, let's, just, let's just go somewhere. Emotions are beneficial because they add to the experience. But now all we want many times are emotional experiences. And that is wrong. Because we have let emotions move us, we have the mindset that emotions will now move God. Can I say that again? Because we have let emotions move us, We now are of the mindset that they will move God. God is not moved by your emotions. The Bible says he's been touched with the feelings of our infirmity, so he understands the pain, but your pain is not what moves God. Your celebrating is not what moves God. The Bible says faith is impossible to please God without it. So faith is the one thing that will cause Almighty God to move. Not emotions. Now listen, here's here's the critical part. Many of us read the Bible with love being an emotion and not love being a covenant. Listen, this 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 part I'm about to tell you will revolutionize your life. Okay? Many of us read the Bible with love being an emotion and not love being a covenant. Listen to this. If we read the Bible and live our Christian faith from the point of view of the emotion of love rather than the covenant of love, then we need to change our verbiage from Christian faith to Christian emotion. That's loaded. I'm going to say it again. If we read the Bible and live our Christian faith from the point of view of the emotion of love rather than the covenant of love, then we need to change our verbiage from Christian faith to Christian emotion. Here is the answer to many of your reasons why God has not come through and you're wondering why is God not coming through? Because 
in our lives, I just gave you the answer to why your Christian faith doesn't work because it was never faith, it was only emotion. Love in the covenant that we are in is not an emotion. It is a covenant. It is a decision. Jesus Christ did not go to the cross based on an emotion. He went based on a decision to please the Father. God did not send his son Jesus Christ to the earth based on an emotion. It was based on a covenant of love that he loved you so much. He was willing to give up his most prized thing in his whole life, his only begotten son, to win back a multitude of sons and daughters. Come on now. If love was, if this covenant of love is just an emotion, it's never been faith at all then. In this that I'm talking about, when love becomes the covenant of love that's based on decisions that we stand by, whether feelings come or go, then it becomes Christian faith once again. Praise God. I'm going to tithe and I'm going to give my legacy offering every first month, first Sunday of every single month. It doesn't matter how I feel or how my checkbook looks because I made a covenant with my God of what I'm going to do. And this past week, everything came against me wanting to give according to this covenant that I made with God. I got the flu. My wife had the flu. We both had doctor bills to go to. We both had all this stuff, and everything was coming against our finances. And this morning, I was in my truck driving to church at 5.45 a.m., and I had the decision to make, am I going to hold true to my covenant of what I promised God I would give this morning in spite of all the financial things that just hit? My emotions said one thing. My covenant said another. So therefore, when my wife is here during second service, we're going to pray over our covenant. Uh And we are going to go ahead and give our legacy offering anyway. And we're going to see multi-generations for the next 80 to 100 years come through this church. And we will see souls born again. We will see lives changed. We will see souls saved. And we're going to see God move in power. Because it's based on a covenant of love, not a covenant of emotion. So how do we go from a second-hand emotion to a first-hand covenant? How do we go from a second-hand emotion to a first-hand covenant? Many people who understand that love is more than an emotion fail to fully cross over and understand the word covenant. Therefore, we relegate the seriousness of a covenant to simply a mere contract. See, we can make the distinction that love is way more than just an emotion. It's a covenant. But if we don't understand the word covenant, we'll simply relegate or downgrade a covenant into simply a contract. And there's a big difference between a contract and a covenant. A contract is this. A contract is where two parties agree about a certain issue in which stipulations are given, agreement is reached, ratification is done by signing the document by both parties, then you become legally bound by the stipulations of the contract. Right? That's what a contract is. A covenant is this. A covenant includes a contract... But it involves a relationship with the priority on the relationship, not the contract. This is why buying a car is different than getting married. Okay, y'all acted like that was a new statement. There's a difference between buying a car and getting married. 
If I am buying a car, I don't even got to like who I'm buying the car from. I just got to like the car. I do not even have to like the dealership. I don't have to like the salesperson. I don't have to like anything about the company I'm buying it from. I just got to like the car that I'm going to buy. And with that, I don't even got to know who I'm getting into contract with as long as I like the car. Me and the other party agree upon the stipulations of it, the payments and how many months and the interest and all that. And I sign my name and they sign their name. And many times I never meet the finance company. I just still talk with the mediator, the negotiator, the salesman. See, I can come into contract with you and I don't even have to like you as long as we agree upon the stipulations and we put it in writing and we're in contract. So this is where a marriage covenant, this is where your covenant with Jesus is all the difference. Because you can go into contract with somebody and not even like them. But a covenant includes a contract, but the priority is based on the relationship. And the contract is only there to enhance the relationship. Now listen, when I married my wife, I wanted the relationship so bad, I went ahead and went to the courthouse and got a marriage license contract because I wanted the contract to enhance the covenant. Correct? So with this, I need you to understand that when you come into covenant with someone, the priority is on the relationship, not the contract. There may be a contract in place, but the priority comes to the covenant. And the contract only enhances the power of the covenant. It doesn't relegate it or decrease it. So we got to begin to understand, when I married my wife, I wanted it to be legal in the eyes of God, first of all, and I wanted it to be legal with the state of Texas, second of all. So I went and did what I needed to do in both scenarios. We got married in the house of God under the blessing of God by an ordained minister, and he performed a ceremony. We also signed the legal requirements of the state of Texas, so we are in contract through the state, but we are in covenant through God Almighty, with the priority being on her, the relationship. Now listen, here's where we got to begin to understand something. Paul parallels the relationship with husband and wife and the relationship covenant between um, uh, Christ and the church in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through uh, 33. And it says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and himself its Savior. And now as, and now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives, you should submit in everything to their husbands, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave him up for, her, up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present to the church himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way, husbands, you should love your wives as much as you do your own bodies. He who loves his... He, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast unto his wife, and the two shall be called one flesh. Now here's the key verse of the whole passage. This is a profound mystery. I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. 
However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife the, and, let, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So Paul is saying, I got to show you the power of a covenant through the best illustration I know, and that is marriage as defined in the Bible, not defined in American culture. Can I get an amen right here? The last message of this series is going to be called The Daily Dilemma, and it's going to be called The Five Ways Where the, the Culture That We're In has, has Whitewashed What a Covenant Is. Therefore, we are powerless as believers because we have misinterpreted the power of our covenant. Oh, this is going to be... It's the, Jeff, read the, Jeff kind of proofreads my messages, so it gets rid of all my blunders. And he read that, and he said, I can't wait to hear that message. I'm telling you, the last Sunday of this month, it's going to go off because you're going to find out how powerful the covenant you are is in. Now, listen, I said this is a parallel. So as you read this, this passage of Scripture in Ephesians, you can replace every word that says wife with church and every word that says husband with Jesus. Because it says, I'm telling you a profound mystery, and it's about Christ in the church. Now, listen to what it says. So I'm going to read it like that. Wives or church. Submit to your own husbands, or Jesus, as unto the Lord. For the husband, Jesus, is the head of the, of the wife of the church, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives, or church, you should submit, to your, submit in everything to their husbands or to Jesus. We should submit in every area of our life to Jesus. Because we're in covenant. When you prayed your prayer of salvation... I'm going to go straight Baptist on you for a minute. And there's nothing wrong with that. Okay? Because if we would have some doctrinal foundation in every area, like many Baptist churches have in the area of salvation, come on. We would be a lot better off. We need to get some covenantal foundation stuff in our life that we are uncompromising on. When I pray the prayer... According to Romans 10, 9, I confessed out loud that Jesus is Lord. I believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says at that time I would be born again, a new creation in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter if the next day I failed him, I'm still a new creation washed in the blood of the Lamb. And all I got to do is look back to Jesus and submit myself to him again. And the Bible right here says he sanctifies me, washing me with the water of the word of God again. Hallelujah. So, so me coming back into right standing is in accordance to how I'll just submit to him again, and he automatically washes it again. So me staying in covenant has something to do with me, but the majority of it is his keeping power, not my staying power. Right? This is where I love Jesus. Jesus, went before he went to the cross, told the Father, I have not lost any of the ones that you've given me. Woo! And that's powerful because after the cross... We were all given unto him. And he hadn't lost Joel yet. Joel tried to run away from time to time. Joel's been an idiot a lot of times. Joel's needed a lot of sanctifying and washing of the water by the word of God a ton of times. Hallelujah. But he's faithful. And I'm going to keep submitting to him. Because I love it when I got married here in the earth. But you know what? I'm looking more forward to being a bride one day than I ever was a groom on that day. I'm looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm looking forward to dancing with my Savior. I'm looking forward to the great banquet and the feast and everything else that God's offering. I'm looking forward to those days. 
But until that day comes, I'm going to do my very best to live in the covenant that he's given me this day and be equipped with every good thing that I need to do his will. Because it's talking about Christ in the church. This covenant matters. It is a covenant of love. Love is a decision. Love is a decision, not an emotion. If your marriage has lost its fire and its passion, you need to make a better decision. Come on, that's awesome. I'm telling you, there have been seasons when me and my wife's marriages, where the passion was gone, right? Two kids back to back, there's no passion. There's dirty diapers. There's snotty noses. There's throw up everywhere. You know, I mean, it's the passion. But we had to start making new decisions based on a covenant of love, not a covenant of emotion. It's not about how I felt when I got threw up on. It's about a decision I made to stay faithful to her, faithful to the kids, faithful to the church, faithful to God. And there are times I wanted to run and didn't feel like it. Go get a secular job where I don't got to deal with stuff, right? But I'm in covenant. And covenant trumps everything. And I'm going to read three statements that are going to be very blunt. So everybody sit up. If I do this, because I know you're going to get ready to fight, (laughs) I'm just telling you. But I'm praying this sets in. I titled this message, It Matters for a Reason, because your covenant matters. It matters, number one. Marriage covenant is a legal relationship established by God in the heavenlies. Marriage covenant, it's established by God, not by a judge, not by a pastor, not by a man. It's established by God. Now listen to this. If it is established by God, it can only be undone by God. Now we like that truth when it comes to our Christian faith. If we were born again by the blood of Jesus, it's in Jesus' keeping power to keep us. In marriage, we don't like it. Because if it was established by God and you went to an earthly judge to get a divorce, you never got it granted by the real judge. I told you you wouldn't like that. I'm getting some ugly looks. I mean, I'm just telling you. And I'm not trying to be ugly. But I'm telling you this. It's true. The Bible says what God has joined together, let no man put it asunder. And we all think that's talking about affairs. It is, but it's also talking about what God has legally ordained in the heavens. An earthly judge can't undo it. This is why Moses said you can have a decree decree of divorce, but it's got to be done by the priest. Not the earthly judge. See, a lot of us, you, you, you got divorced by a judge, but you... Maybe there needs to be a time of repentance because that marriage is done, gone, and it's 30 years ago that says, God, release me from it. Release me from it. Because if it was established by you, it can only be undone by you. And I'm going somewhere with this. So if you get married in the blessing of the covenant of God, he wants to continue to bless it. But if you got separated... And it was only done by an earthly judge. 
You need to ask for the blessing of God to come on your life in the past and say, God, release. This is why we have freedom ministry, to break soul ties. Many of you who had, who, who've had affairs in your relationships, you, you bound yourself to that person through sex. You, you need to go undo it before the eyes of Almighty God. Say, God, undo this soul tie. The Bible talks about it. If you go sleep with a prostitute, you are one with a prostitute. I mean, I'm not trying to be ugly. This is straight Bible. And if we don't want the covenant that we're in, well, then go to a different church because I'm preaching covenant. And I will not shy away from the power in a covenant. But God can transform your life this morning if you'll just simply say, God, any ungodly soul tie that I have, I ask that you release me from it now. And I break off that soul tie in Jesus' name with your blessing. And anything I've taken from this person, I give back. And anything they've taken from me, I take back. And we are completely separated in the spirit now in Jesus' name. It's that simple. It is that simple. And you need to go through and begin to undo ungodly soul ties. These can even be just emotional attachments. You never had to really physically sleep with the person, but you, can, you had ungodly thoughts with the person. What, untat, undo it. You're in a soul tie. I'm telling you, this is powerful. All right, I got to get through these last two. Number two. Covenants function under authority. It's not about what he wants or what she wants. It's about what God wants in your marriage and in your Christian walk. It's not about what I want or what my wife wants in our Christian walk. It's about what God wants out of our Christian walk. Now get this. It's about what God wants in our marriage. So listen, we have mortgages, payments, credit card debt because of the wants of he or she, but then we ask God to bless it when you never bought it under the blessing of the covenant that you're in with God because you never asked for his opinion. See, covenants always operate under authority. It says wives submit to your husbands and husbands submit to your wives. Love them like Christ loved the church. He died for her. That's submitting. Okay? It's not about what Joel wants all the time or what Sherry wants. It's focusing our life about what he wants out of us. And authority means this. There is submission or the giving up of one's will. When I say I am under authority uh, uh, of Jesus, I will give up my will for his will. Jesus did it at the garden. I'll do it with my relationship. I'll do it with my relationship with my wife. I'll do things that I don't want to do because I'm submitted to her. And I do it because I love her. And you know what? Joel can get happy in the same britches he got mad in. Because <laughs> we came into covenant and we submit to one another. Finally, this. Covenants are entered under the penalty of death. He hear this. Covenants are only entered under the penalty of death. This means we only enter a covenant knowing that the only way out is one of us has to die, or if it's broken, the penalty is death. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Man, truth feels good if you just want the truth. Listen, this is why second marriages many times don't succeed. Because the covenant was broken for an unbiblical reason by a man or a judge tried to separate what God didn't. When the covenant was broken, now, now listen, this is, this is where it's supposed to get really exciting. When the covenant was broken, part of you died. When the covenant was broken, 
part of you died. And if you, as a dead person, entered into a new covenant, another marriage, without getting this person resurrected, you walked into your second marriage already dead. And you expect it to live. No, here's the good thing. Anything that is dead, if you'll bring it to Jesus, he still has the power to resurrect it and forgive all things and do all things and change all things. Divorce is not the unforgivable sin. Divorce just simply means I need a resurrection in my life. I need God to rise up something that is dead and breathe new life into this dead body with the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away every sin that I have and makes me white as snow again. His blood is so good, and it's that blood that brought you into the covenant with him. And if that covenant ain't right, your marriage covenant will never be right. So the beauty of this is this. The beauty of this all is this. And if my ministers would be able to go and stand at the, the sides to get ready to get ministered to, I want all of you to stand this morning. I'm going to read this final statement. This is the beauty of Christ. Everybody listen to this real quick. Look at me. This is the beauty of Christ. We deserve to die because we broke covenant with the penalty of that covenant being death. But Christ stepped into our place of death and was crucified for us. With that sacrifice, we can get back into the covenant of love by a decision of faith today in Jesus Christ because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Now listen, all that simply means is you may be born again, but you're looking like the walking dead. If you are the walking dead this morning, a decision of love in your covenant of faith that says, I'm making a decision to walk back into the blood of Jesus Christ. He will bring a dead body, a dead person, back to life again and begin to transform every area of your life because he is still the God of miracles that raises dead things to life again and again and again. We're going to sing one song. It's your time to respond. You can go to the communion table of God and take the body and the blood of Jesus. Go and pray with any of the ministers over there. If you need to be born again and experience life for the first time, they're ready to pray. If you need a prayer of healing, they're ready to pray with you. If you need a prayer of agreement, begin to move now in the name of Jesus. In this covenant of love, God do miracles this morning. In Jesus' name.